you desire and don't have, so you murder. You covet and you can't obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You don't ask, therefore you don't have. Hey, fellas, welcome to the Second Monday Podcast with Gordon, Joe, and Elliot as we continue the men's ministry of West End Presbyterian Church, pointing men to Jesus and teaching and applying the truth of the gospel to our lives. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? What's happening? Uh, a typical Thursday morning, nothing too uh, out of the ordinary here. I love it. <laughs> How about you, man? I uh, went and got an oil change in my car. In my van. All right. Fun times. Elliot. What's up, friends? How you doing? Good morning. How are you guys? Good. I was just telling Joe, just a normal, everyday Thursday morning. <laughs> well, podcast Thursday morning for you. That's right. You can set your watch by it. That's right. You can. Um, I have a doctor's appointment this morning. At a, well, not this morning. I guess late morning at 11 a.m. for a little annual physical. So it sucks because, you know, you got to fast. You can't eat anything. Oh. Okay. And then, and you know, typically I, yeah, typically I try to get them done at like 8 a.m., but uh, that couldn't get me in until 11. And then I, the blood works not to 115. So I have to wait all the way till. After that, to eat anything. Oh. So our dis- our planned discussion about steaks and potatoes, <laughs> it's not a good idea? That would be right. That would be affirmative. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, physical. I know. I'm hoping the girl said, just go back to the lab when you're done with your 11 o'clock appointment, and maybe they can just take you. So I'm hoping that that will work out, but we'll see. Yeah. I, uh, I'm probably well overdue for a physical. So, oh yeah, I haven't had one in three years. So yeah, you know, my wife's been all over me for about a year and a half. Uh, it's probably been longer for me. Yeah, significantly yeah. longer. <laughs> you probably eat better than I do, oh Gordon. So you probably are. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, staying well, out, staying out of that it, discussion. It, if you uh, if you're on a first name basis with the Chick Fil A people and the Bojangles people, you're probably in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely true. That's definitely true. Uh, Emphasis on on Bojangles. I mean, I, no offense. I mean, no offense to Bojangles over Chick Fil A. They're both fast food and greasy. But yeah. every time I leave Bojangles, I'm 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 satisfied, <laughs> and then I I need to take a nap. I love Bojangles. I love it. Bojangles, when I moved to Richmond back in 1981, I think. Maybe it was 81. I think it was 81. We moved here. Bojangles was the first place we went to for food (laughs) the day we moved. My mom went and got uh, Bojangles for us, and she bought Bojangles for the movers because we had, like, you know, professional movers moving us. Sure. And we all sat in our kitchen and ate Bojangles together. <laughs> I was like, Bojangles? Isn't there a Kentucky Fried Chicken around here? <laughs> I was like, what is Bojangles? I've never heard of Bojangles. We were like, we were moving from the mountains. So there was no bang Bojangles up in the mountains. Um, no, that's not a mountain thing. Uh-uh. Um, uh, so Bojangles is so good. As a kid, 
We had a Bojangle. I lived on Featherstone Drive, which was near Chesterfield Town Center. Yes. So not too not too far from like the Sugar Shack there on Huguenot Road or whatever. Yeah. Right before you got the Robius. So there was a Bojangles right there. That's now currently a. It's currently like a Wawa or Sheetz's or or something. Yeah. But it but it was a Bojangles back in the early '80s, and Bojangles basically went on life support there for a while mm-hmm. i mean it, it closed and bojangles was basically in foreclosure and then it, bojangles has made an unbelievable turnaround yeah they have a, like a real rags the richest story if you will. <laughs> i have i have spent enough money at bojangles the last few years that yes well i could probably be part of that well well elliot um when you know the financial and economic history and background of the Bojangles franchise, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a good, clear indicator. Uh, I'm glad you're going to see the doctor. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that, Gordon. Now, please, I am. I know. I'm sorry. Go. No, I am. I am in better shape than I'm. I'm selling right now, but I do love Bojangles. I, I, yeah. Not to uh, keep keep talking about this but i want to keep talking about it i i know bojangles is a carol carolina uh restaurant but is it connected in any way to the great richmonder of bojangles yeah i don't know that fact I so I, I i can't speak to that i don't know maybe gordon um, can speak to it from his I have no old idea days. i i would assume so just because the, the name is so blatant but i don't know i'm not really sure i, I, I gotta look that. that up uh i gotta look that up um, my kids don't love the chicken fingers there. They think they're kind of bland, and they kind of are. But the French fries are off the chain, mm. and the biscuits. Okay. The biscuit. The, the biscuit great. gets you. The, the biscuit's great, and the, and the seasoning on the fries is so good. So yeah. good. Um, I, I'm also a mega fan of Lee's Chicken, too. That's, like, my all-time favorite. I've never had Lee's Chicken. Gordon, oh Never my had. gosh, I'm taking you out to lunch one day. We're gonna go down to Lee's Chicken. Ah, it's so good too, man. They talk about a biscuit. That biscuit will just melt in your mouth. Let's do it. When the pandemic is over, we're taking a field trip to. Oh, it's open now. <laughs> <laughs> I had lunch there like I had lunch there like last week. And we're going right after Elliot's uh, physical this morning. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, because once, once the blood test comes, through, I can have whatever I want for another couple of years until I have to do it again. Yes. <laughs> That's how it works, right? <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get to it, boys. Let's do I guess it. it's my time to, to read the scripture, I believe. Yes, it is. All right, my friends. All right. We are, we are, we are trucking along. We're in James 4 now. Unbelievable. I know. I know. All right. James 4, 1 through 6. Uh, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Your adulterous people, I mean, sorry, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. 
That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. There you go. I got to tell you, I I love James. Go ahead. I would love, I cannot wait till I meet James in person. Uh, He's just so... I, I don't want that. You adulterous people. I know, right? I know. I was like, I'm thinking the opposite. Yeah. He He's just... He is in your face. He really comes out with his guns uh, in this one. The next yes. time I preach a sermon, I want to use the phrase, you adulterous people. Yes. In very accusatory way. Yeah. Well, I, I had the opposite reaction. I, I, I read this. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> like all these things. <laughs> So let's let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about the crap, as Elliot says. Mm. Uh, you know what are the what are the fights and quarrels that you have had with brothers and sisters in Christ? Have you, if you have ever had any? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's always it's always an orphan mentality on my part. I, I, not always, but a lot of times I feel like it's an orphan mentality on my part that I'm trying to clutch and grab and hold on to things that I think are rightly mine that I've worked hard to earn or I've done whatever to get to that spot. And I just always feel like, yeah, that, that, that sort of that, that sense of it's mine and I've fought for it and I deserve it. I deserve it. Like God is giving this to me and you're trying to take it away from me, whether it be honor or glory or possessions, it doesn't really matter. I just, I want favor and I don't want anybody to like, have that favor really i don't want even the lord to have that favor i want it to be about me mm-hmm. yeah i mean I'll, I'll i'll say like i when i am feeling good about life and everything is great it's usually because i'm not interacting with any conflict with anybody but I, you know i'm at that in most of the time in those moments i'm a friend of the world but when someone or when someone comes to me and says, hey, Joe, you really, you know, didn't uh, do me well when you did this, which happens quite often. And, you know, when we Christians, we live a life of repentance. Like I'm always thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. And I'll go to someone and I'll talk to them and say, I, I apologize for doing this. Please forgive me. Um, you know, in those like moments of conflict, like, uh, you know, it's because I see this as he says, these passions at war within me, like it's, it's just what's going on in my own heart. And I'm a Christian life is one in which we are, you know, rubbing up against other people and their sin. And we need to, you know, repent, mm-hmm. need to repent. Mm-hmm. This first couple verses are talking about this internal conflict, or at least specifically the first verse this internal conflict, this passion that's at war within us. And then verse two, we start getting into, I mean, he immediately jumps into you desire and do not have, so you murder. <laughs> like that's, I mean, he's, he's saying out of these internal passions flow this external conflict of murder, of hatred. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen this play out in your own life? Oh, you know, all the time, like, uh, I think about this all the time, you know, comparison is the robber of all joy. And, you know, the guy who is middle class and doing well and family's good, you know, everybody's healthy. He sees the guy who's wealthy and has the BMW and the million dollar house. And 
he was totally content with what he had five minutes ago, but then he sees that stuff and it's like, well, God doesn't love me. He doesn't bless me and my family. Like that guy's got the million dollar house and the Beamer and this, mm-hmm. that, and the other. Like he was totally happy five minutes ago until he wasn't happy, you know, cause he's just, it's just robbed all the joy out of his life. And so, I mean, I think about this all the time. Like these conflicts go in my head all the time. Like, you know, the Lord's totally blessed me and my family. We're healthy and <laughs> Hopefully today we'll find that I'm healthy <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, you know, but all's good. And, and yet I see things that other people have and I'm immediately, immediately like, well, God, what's the story here, man? Like, and it, you know, it's not always me saying to God, but it's always, sometimes it's me just thinking like, that's not fair. Like, that's like, mm-hmm. just not fair. Like they get to do this and I have to go grind every day or whatever, whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- that's such a great um, perspective because I, yeah, I, I am absolutely, I, I am very bent towards comparison. Happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the neighborhood, con- my, my yard looks horrible compared to my neighbors. <laughs> that's such a lame picture, but that's such a great picture of my heart because, you know, whenever I'm walking my dogs and I see this guy's yard, I'm like, jeez. My yard looks horrible. Why can't I do a better job? Why can I not get grass to grow in this one section? Right. And, you know, that's such a great analogy because I, when I think about other areas of my life, I do the same thing. Why, why can I get the, why can I get the, cannot get the grass to grow in this area, this particular area of my life when this guy does all day, all day long? Yeah. Um, or this person gets to do that and I don't get to do that. Yeah. Um, this person has that job title and I don't, how come I don't have that job title? I've worked twice as hard as him, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I think, I think for me, it, it, I feel, um, like on any given day, I will feel, um, unappreciated or rejected or guilty over something I've done or said or not done or not said. And, um, I'll just feel bad. And then when I go home, you know, my, I, I take it out on my kids. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a abusive. I'm not yelling and screaming all the time, <laughs> but it, but it comes out like they see it, they feel it like my, this, the storm inside my own heart and soul affects how I behave or to my own kids all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate, but it's also like, this is what James is talking about. He's like, don't try to control your body. Understand that this storm is inside your heart. <laughs> it's like, it's like this gross sinful soul is coming out and it's, it's, uh, it's having disastrous effects on the world mm-hmm. that what he does now, or at least in verses two through three, he gives a list of like some cause and effect. Um, he talks about these things in you do this. So therefore this happens. Um, and I don't know if, if it's a easy question to just say, you know, what are those? Um, well, the, the, the one thing that I, I think about is, you know, you desire and do not have equals you murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, to your point just a minute ago, I mean, like for me, the the past week's been really hard. Um, 
and internally I've been a mess and it has been coming out in the way that I communicate uh, at home with my wife. And so yesterday, yesterday I just had to, I, I went over to her office here in the house and, uh, and just had to apologize. Like, I'm sorry, for, I just, I'm like a walking exposed nerve because of the internal conflict going on in me. And I, and, and, and I love the fact that he chose the word murder because that's so true. When you, when you, when you allow these things to happen, when it happens and you, you, you just start to murder your relationships, you're killing these things. You're killing relationships, you're killing community, you're killing the ability to communicate effectively, um, you're causing division. I mean, you name it, um, that, and all kinds of things are coming out of that. And that, that's definitely been happening uh, with me this week. And I've had to just, yesterday was just like, whoa, what the, what is going on with me? Like, I am, a, I literally am an exposed nerve. And that's, I'm just like behaving so poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm murdering my relationship with my wife. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You desire and don't have, so you murder. Mm-hmm. You covet and you can't obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. Those those two go hand in hand. And then you have like uh, this uh, different kind of phrasing. You don't have, or excuse me, you don't ask, therefore you don't have. So he's like immediately switching from this um, internal war that turns into an external war. And now he's saying part of it is you are not praying. And when you pray, you're praying wrongly. You don't ask, so you don't have. And when you ask, you ask wrongly. You're talking about your own passions uh, and therefore you don't receive. Um, so I, I'd love to talk about that for a second. I might skip this one question I have, but have you ever prayed for something that flowed from your pursuit of selfish desires? Does that make sense? Like, what would that, what would that look like? What would be, and therefore what would be a better way to pray? And the answer is yes, (laughs) absolutely. That's happened. Examples of that. um, I think I've prayed for things that probably, would make my life easier from time to time, but not specifically would be the thing that if I really ask myself, is this really what the Lord wants for me? Mm -hmm. Probably that's not accurate, but it's too hard to go through the things the Lord wants for me. So like, I just want the easier thing. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. I'm not giving a tangible, like actual A plus B equals C example, but I, but I can look at my life and think about ways in which I've like, Oh, I want this. I want this to stay status quo because it would be easier for me. Mm-hmm. The hard would be letting that thing go and actually like having the Lord meet me in that and prune me and make me better because of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think we all should pray for the desires of our heart, right? Like we should, if I'm, if I'm talking to God, I'm communing with God, I'm praying with him. I'm talking about the things that, I want, I pray for my kids every day and I pray, Lord Jesus, may they come to know you. May they have a faith in you. Mm. That's a desire of my heart. Like I want them to know the great blessing that is this life with Christ. It's a wonderful thing. I want them to know that. I think one of the reasons why maybe why the three of us have a struggle answering this question is 
because we don't normally, because we have a personal relationship with Christ, we know that prayer is give and take. Like, I know that when I go to Jesus, I can pray, Jesus, I really want to um, have enough money to go on this vacation. Then, you know, as I'm praying, I'm like, well, I mean, I know, I know there's, I know there's other uses I could have, I could use with this money. Like I, I know the Holy Spirit is working in me and shifting my desires and shifting what I know to be true because I'm in communication with them. I think maybe what James is talking about is those immature Christians who treat God like a vending machine. Mm. If I pray, Mm -hmm. he should give me exactly what I pray. And when he doesn't give me exactly what I pray, what's wrong with you, God? I mean, I know we struggle with it, but I think there is like, I think there is a, a level of, I pray for the desires of my heart, even if it's selfish. And I know the Holy Spirit is correcting me, is changing me in the middle of that prayer. You know, that's what I'm right. All right. So that's a great question of like, what do you, what do you say to the novice believer who is, you know, it says in the Bible, you know, bring the desires of your heart to the Lord, pray fervently, pray without ceasing, so I'm praying and I'm asking for X, Y, and Z and God's not showing up. And it may not be like, I want to bring a new car or a new house. It might be literally a, you know, something not crazy worldly, but like, what do you say to that person? Yeah, that's your, I, I'd say, keep praying, keep praying the desires of your heart. I think specifically I, a great example is, what we get with a lot of times with unmarried folks, I pray for a spouse or married folks who can't have kids. I pray for a kid. Like these are great. Dare I say selfish desires. (laughs) They are selfish desires, but they're also, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they are in the sense that they are about something you desire, something, something you, but, but they're not, they're not sinful desires. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great desires. Yeah. Uh, and so you should keep praying. You should keep praying for those things. But, you know, prayer is communing of God. Prayer is, commun- is a conversation with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would, I would counsel that young novice Christian, keep praying and keep listening to. Like, I wouldn't just say it's all about what you're saying. It's also about you listening to what scripture says about how the Holy Spirit's moving in your own heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that answer doesn't really satisfy, but I think that's the best we can do. Keep praying and keep listening. What do you guys think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that is the answer. Um, I, I guess you just, you, you, you get to the, does not as Christian get to the point where like, I just, I'm not hearing anything. Right. And I mean, I'm, they're, you're not, he's not answering. I've asked for a baby or I've asked for a husband or a wife or whatever for X amount of years. And he doesn't show up. He's not showing up. Yeah. He's not doing anything for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Abraham I think, and Sarah waited 20 years for a child. Yeah. Um, that's a long time. It's yeah. a long time. I, in, I mean, in my twenties, I was so, um, just wound up in anxiety and stress because most of the time I was 
feeling overwhelmed because I felt like God was not providing any direction or giving me a, a, like a clear answer on what he wanted me to do with my life. <laughs> you know, like what kind of job should I have? Should I be in ministry? Do I need to go back to school? Do I need to do this? Well, like I felt confused and lost and like, and I kept, I was praying constantly. Like, what do you want from me? Where do you want me to go? And I thought at one point I was in the process of like filling out the application to be an intern with World Harvest or Surge mm-hmm. uh, in Ireland after coming back from a, and it was, it seemed clear as a bell. And then that didn't happen. And I went in a completely opposite direction and those things are great, like praying for clarity, praying for God to give me some wisdom, some something to be able to figure out what decisions I should make. Like it wasn't the mm-hmm. fact that like ministry or a job or that those things weren't inherently bad. Yeah. But I was looking for an answer so that like I could just be comfortable with myself. And yeah. I think ultimately God had other plans, and which was to help me understand that like your life's not about your job. Your life is not bent about this or that or ministry or not ministry or these types of things. Those things are great, but like my life is really about um, believing in the Lord, you know, bringing him glory. Yeah. And that that's and that's it. And then all those all those wonderful things can come out of that. It took took me a long time to finally like wrap my head around that because I think most of the time I really wanted those other things because they were a lot more easy to control and a lot more easy to wrap my hands around. Yeah, yeah, uh, I I love that. I love that. I, I love that illustration. I, I literally was just a few moments ago before we started. I was reading the um, John two passage of Jesus turning water to wine, like what if the guy, what if the host of the party had prayed to God, God, give me more wine. (laughs) That would have been seemed like a selfish desire. It would have seemed like a selfish prayer, but Jesus provided it for him. So like, we don't know how God's going to answer. Like you're saying, Gordon, like you're praying and you're, you're, you're seeking the wisdom of God and God changes your heart. God moves in your heart. God is, it's a conversation in this prayer. And so it may seem like a selfish prayer for a novice Christian or for you and me. It may seem like a selfish prayer, like, wow, it looks like we're running out of wine. Jesus, God, provide me with more wine. And God may say, actually, that's exactly what I'm going to give you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. And that's kind of cool to think that we actually have this personal God that mm-hmm. hears our desires and prayers. It, you know, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because I was just listening to uh, uh, R.C. Sproul has a podcast and um, mm-hmm. he was talking about the sovereignty of God and just, it, it was he was talking about it in relationship to prayer and just to be quick about this, like he was really hitting on the fact that like when you pray and you come before the Lord, like you are coming before the king, like the God of the universe. He controls everything. And his bent was more towards like bow the knee. Like you are like this, this is your king. Like be humble and you should fear the Lord and those things. But, you know, as we're talking, we're talking more about this almost, you know, fatherly uh, relationship conversation that we are able to have but those two things work in tandem together. And so when, when you do pray, like you recognize like I have a God, a king 
who loves me and cares about me and is willing to have a conversation with me, you know, and I can still bow the knee and show humility and in the fear of the Lord, but also knowing that he's also my father. And and like Elliot was saying early on in the podcast, like we're not orphans. We're children of God. We've been given this distinct place in relationship to him. And to be able to bear our hearts to, to the King is, uh, it's kind of an overwhelming thought at the moment as I think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably in the final, uh, before we get to our final question, maybe the these last three verses from James 4 through 6, um, he's talking about what it means to be a friend with the world or being a friend with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and verse 5 is a really confusing verse. Uh, you are welcome to talk about that later, but I don't want to talk about that now. Um, it's just, it's just really hard to understand the translation there. Uh, and verse six is about we needing far more grace. And so uh, maybe before we get to the final question, uh, the, what does it look like to be a friend with the world? Uh, and what should we Christians do about it? (laughs) <laughs> what should we do about being friends with the world where James talks about it being, well, if you're a friend with the world, you're an enemy of God. That doesn't sound good. Well, um, this is a big year for me. Uh, obviously it is for everybody right now. That's an understatement. Uh, but I'm turning 50 this year. What? I turned 50 in September. Yep, I love it. You're and, on the, you're almost to your, um, you know, adulthood. <laughs> I can finally be taken seriously. Um, I so I maybe it's just time of life. COVID twenty twenty is just such a train wreck. I've just been giving a lot of thought, ruminating on the past and where I'm at, and you know, where does life go from here? My, I know I'm an empty nester at this point in my life, and. That's super weird. Um, but I've been thinking recently, somebody had asked me just sort of like, you know, a couple weeks ago, they were like, what, what, what do you think about that? Like, what is that like? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. I've been so distracted by COVID. Like when he find, when he asked me that question, I was like, gosh, I didn't even like, thought, I haven't even given thought to this. Like, it just feels like another birthday. But since he said that, I've been kind of thinking about this question, like, and friendship to the world I mean, unfortunately, I feel like when I look back, I spent a lot of time and effort trying to be friendly (laughs) with the world in so much as that when I say the world, the world represents, quote, being taken seriously, um, you know, being successful. Mm I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. You know, like I said earlier, I spent a lot of time in my early 20s and, and, and frankly, in my 30s just trying to, like, figure out what does God have for me. And I spent so much time striving for things I thought that mattered. Yeah. And they weren't bad things, having a good career, get a good paycheck, be able to take care of family, have a, you know, like all the good things. But I think I attached a lot of weight and value um, that meant absolutely nothing. 
you know? And, and, and it, it, it's just hindsight, I guess. You, you get to this point and you look backwards and you're like, yeah, there, I spent a lot, I wasted a lot of time. I wasted a lot of time, a lot of energy. And it is what it is. You can't change the past. It is what it is. It's like, you just, now, now what I need to do is just repent and, and change those things and ask God to change my heart about those things. Because I think I, in a lot of ways, I still struggle with those things and I will probably always continue to struggle with those things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there, I have been friendly and I, you know, like I said, I've been kind of putting a lot of thought to this, but I haven't really like been able to like really write down specifics. I've just been thinking kind of high level about this and, but yeah, way too friendly with the world, way too friendly with the world in the sense that I've just kind of like trying to connect myself to something that is empty, um, from, you know, I, I doubt to a, a position of idolatry to just thinking things matter when they probably don't really. Yeah. 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 I, I would say I'm very similar to you and maybe Elliot was mentioning this way back when at the beginning of this episode about, um, um, Oh my gosh, a brain freeze, um, about, uh, uh, not judging people, but uh, uh, comparing ourselves as robber of joy. Thank you. Um, and I would say that's very true. Like I base, uh, if if I was to evaluate my younger than 50 life, uh, it would be, I see, a, I'd, I'd take a lot out of my accomplishments. If I accomplish something or if I, you know, have a, a well done, good job, Joe, that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And if I see that someone else accomplished something and I didn't accomplish it, oh, that kills me. And I know that's sinful. That's terrible. Um, and I know like that's friendship with the world. That's not caring about the glory of God or not caring about the you know, manifesting Jesus's glory in life, but more about manifesting my own glory. So mm-hmm. that would be my, that would be my friendship with the world. <laughs> um, well, how about we end with the question of the week? What gospel wisdom is God revealing to you through this text? I, I think, I think I'm like, you know, I read all this. I'm like, man, check. I, I'm a friend of the, the world and, you know, I'm always at strife with people, at least in my own heart. I am maybe not, they don't know I am, but I am. And so I like, I love the very, I'm like so thankful for the very last sentence, you know, uh-huh. God, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And like, I'm thankful that, um, there is a sense of grace here. Like you read all this and you at first, you're like, Oh my gosh, this, you know, I'm going straight to hell and you know, <laughs> blah, blah. But then like, he, he does. He he does. He 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 shows favor to the humble, and so I think in my life, like how and wait, how can I be more humble? Um, not because I want favor from God, but because I think that portrays His image to other people, right? Other people who are who are believers, who are non-believers. Like I think that furthers the gospel. Um, if I'm humble, mm-hmm. so. Lord, would you do more of that in my life? Amen. 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 Uh, you know, the thing that, qu- that stood out to me when I was reading this passage earlier this morning is that, you know, in verse 1 he says, what is the source of wars and fights among you? And then in verse 4 he sort of answers that with adultery. 
and you know my friendliness with the world, my uh, selfish ambition, my uh, the disorder that I have that I find in my life generally stems from uh, my adulterous relationship to the world. Um, and the, the things that I, I, I give myself to that I think demand or should demand my attention and really they don't and they don't give anything back they just they just want more um, from me and um, and you know out of that um, when I do find myself in quarrels and fights it's generally because of some sort of sense of self-justification and that should that should cause me to stop and maybe do more self-examination yeah yeah love that yeah and, and for me i think it comes down to that internal sinful uh grossness that's inside my heart flows out into the external i think uh the holy spirit definitely is speaking to me through this text that I need to do a lot more repenting of the sin inside of me. Um, and like Elliot pointed out, knowing that he gives more grace, he gives more grace than I could even imagine. So I need to remember that. So. Yeah. Mm. Amen. And you know, it's funny how this all ties together, but the, you know, our conversation earlier about uh, fried chicken, uh, <laughs> probably not good. You, you put bad stuff in, you get bad stuff out, right? Oh, Gordon. But I would argue that it's not bad stuff. I know. I'm not seeing the connection there. I'm only hearing about good stuff. Uh, It tastes good. I hear what you're trying to do there, but it's not accurate, Gordon. It it tastes – it's delicious. It's delicious. In the beginning. It is. Yeah, but you're right. You might find find yourself with a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) It tastes so good. Mm, And then the doctor says something bad. All right, well, yeah, yeah. hook me up. We're going to all three of us. We should we can go get Lee's chicken and oh, uh, yeah. sit in the parking lot. Done. All right, boys. <laughs> don't love it. All right, guys. All right. Hey, how are well, we doing? Then... How are we doing? Are people are people listening, Gordon? Yeah. How are we doing numbers wise? Yeah. Uh, I was looking at them. Just right, and the radio works.